Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello NRL fans, welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host Matt Namofsky. Welcome to the round 19 review going through all eight games in the Telstra Premiership. I'm not alone, I've got Ryan with me mate. Ryan, how are you? Good, thanks Matt. Thank you for having me again. No worries, and you know it's good to talk to a winner. It looks like we're both going to squeeze through in our um, matchup this week. Hopefully, you've got some nice oh. updates through. Oh, you know I'm hoping that I get some good updates. Um, but you know I'm just going to think that I'm going to take the loss this week. I'm only up by f- around 40, 30 points, so we'll see how it goes. Well, look, there's a couple of, pl- of your players we'll definitely be talking about. Let's start with the first one here. Uh, on the on Thursday night, it was the Raiders taking on the Eels and the Raiders winning 12-10 in a very close game. This one, Ryan, was all about, to me, the edge players of the Raiders and uh, Corey Harawira Nero was especially really good. Your boy, what have you been seeing from him recently about how he's taking on the edge halves of the oppositions? Yeah, he's had a couple of good weeks in the past few weeks. I think he's had a monster week last week and this week he scored a try. Um, for me, I think... I don't know what's happened with him, but he's just clicked a bit more. Uh, he's running hard eyes. He's um, getting more involved in the game, and I guess it's paying off. Yeah, he's filling in that John Bateman role from last year, and Bateman was so good for the Raiders, gave him that like good versatility on the edge. And this is, is this is the Corey Harawiraniri we've seen from the Bulldogs when he was you know lighting it up, and you know for that like little peak of games when he was playing, he was one of the best edge options in SuperCoach. But to me. Jacob Arthur for Parramatta, look, he's, he's the, the son of the coach. He's a reserve grade player at best. And I think for that try, you, you saw, just picked him out of the line. But for me, Ryan, Dylan Brown is probably the story of this game for me. I was really hoping he was going to have a big season this year. Just hasn't really clicked in. Without Mitch Moses, Dylan Brown and Gutho couldn't really get it on for the Eels. Yeah, look, there was a lot of um, pressure on Dylan Brown, I guess, to sort of step up to, you know, the missing Mitchell Moses. But... Um, yeah, they just lack the polish and, you know, credit to the Raiders. You know, they did a good job on, um, you know, the forwards did really well. Like you said, the uh, edge rowers, they played really well. And, you know, like I said in the past, I feel like the Eels against the, uh, you know, top eight teams or they they they're, they struggle a bit. Mm. And, um, you know, Raiders, um, credit to them. They played, they played really well. I thought their defense was really good. Um, they were tackling hard. You know, they just they just committed and sort of sort of the old Raiders came back. You know, some you know some good turnover of the football, and you know that that's that's what we're used to seeing from the Raiders. Yeah, and this puts the Raiders equal eighth. They're just outside on point differential, but they're one of these teams. You know, especially if you're finishing fifth and sixth, and you're in uh, sudden elimination against the Raiders, that's a very tough game. This game did have a good finish, Ryan. Obviously, Sebo trying to dive for the corner. Just want to get your your take on it. Um, obviously, not a shoulder charge, but should be also leading in with the knee and shoulder, the knee and hip as well. Is that also reckless, or do you, you're happy with play on there? Oh, I'm happy with play on. Um, also, because the uh, previous try there was a uh, um, offside by Dylan Brown, so you know that nullifies whatever happens there. But I just remembered um, credit to the Raiders again. They didn't have Whiten, and they also lost uh, Xavier Savage. So um, it goes to show um, sort of how well the Raiders played, but also how disappointing it was from the Eels side because all they lost was uh, Mitchell Moses, but they had most of their origin stars back. That's it. And last last point in this game, Josh Publi went off with a HIA really early in the East. Oh, yeah. It'll be an interesting one moving forward. The team was Tuesday to see if he is named next week. 
Yeah, I think um, I think he'll be most likely playing. It wasn't anything major. He just he just coughed a bit. I think it was to the uh, I think it was bleeding a bit, but it wasn't anything that you would think that he'd miss a week for. Yeah, that's it, man. Let's get into the next game. It was a Sydney Roosters twenty-eight defeating uh, the Newcastle Knights eight in the reemergence of James Tedesco, your boy again. Um, absolute blind of a game, man. We've seen this year with the Roosters. They are obviously compromised with a lot of injuries and retirements that they've had. But against poor teams, James Tedesco can really lead this uh, team to some big scores. Yeah, man. You know, it was good to see Tedesco finally getting some, you know, involvement. Um, you know, ever since Kiri got, uh, took the ACL early in the season, you know, Tedesco sort of had to change his game. He had to sort of mould the way, mould his game around the way Sam Walker played. But I guess this game, he really stamped his authority and, you know, and showed, you know, he is truly the number one fullback in the game still. Um, you know, against Kaponga as well. Um, so it's even better, you know, after that origin um, performance. Um, but, you know, in this game, I thought the Knights, they started off well. They had a lot of momentum. But the Roosters, you know, credit to Trent um, Robinson. With all the injuries they had, they lost Ikevalu. They lost Billy Smith. They still got it done. Um, and it's just the story of the season, I guess. The amount of injuries they've had, you know, you can probably field like 10, 10, 10 players at least, you know, that would be a huge difference. And to to pull it off against, you know, a team like the Knights, I guess I guess it's it's just credit to how well um, they've been trained. It's a matter of the the, uh, the mindset that they have. Yeah, 100%. And like you said, the injuries in this game, obviously from a super coach perspective, Billy Smith and Nikovalu, two guys that if they stayed on the field probably would have got some good points there. They were taken off today. James Tedesco, when he's in that form and throwing those out balls to his edge players, it's lethal and there's just points to be had. Um, yeah, look, they're, they're going through this season. It's such a, I think when you look at, include these two injuries from what their team would have been in round one, the starting 17, they're missing eight got eight or nine guys. It's like more than half the team is out right now. It's ridiculous how they're still in fifth place. They're still pushing for a top four spot. And they've got uh, the Parramatta next week. And all of a sudden now that becomes a very critical game for the top four. So it's I can't wait. But you did mention Kalen Ponga there. All reports is uh, he has a sternum or a chest injury um, from last week when he got that knock from Kamakamika. It did look like he was very ginger this week. Every time there was a kick return, he did look for Hamo Hunt or Dominic Young. Um, look, the Newcastle Knights have a very, very good draw on the run home. They've got probably the second or third easiest run home. So from a Supercoach perspective, Ponga load up. But, you know, their season's tiltering now. They've got to start winning some games here because they can't lose too many more. Yeah, that's right. Um, especially with, with Mitchell Pearce being out. I think we've talked about this in previous podcasts. He's so important to that team. They don't have a leader in the in the halves. You know, it's always makeshift halves. And you can't sort of always rely on Ponga. You know, he's a good player. But against the bigger teams, you need, you need Pearce in that team. And... You know, before he's back, you know, I don't know how much they can do. Yeah, well, I think the, the, the story to me is Phoenix Crossland and Jake Clifford aren't starting halves material in the NRL. I don't think they can be together. Uh, I definitely think that you've got Jake Clifford, who's the future there. Um, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of Jake Clifford, but, you know, he's got his traits. And I think next to an established half like a Mitchell Pierce can do good things. Uh, but them two together, it was, it was going to be an uphill battle, especially Ponga was not healthy. So, yeah, I think Roosters yeah. got away pretty easily in this one. Yeah. Let's get on to the next game, Ryan. This was probably the, the stunner of the weekend for me. Melbourne 20 uh, defeating the Cowboys 16 in a very, very close game. 
I was expecting scores here. I was expecting Pappenhausen to start the game. Nico Hines at six. Didn't happen. Pappenhausen played 31 minutes in the end, so actually did play quite a bit. Um, but we're how surprised were you that the Cowboys kept this close? It was a surprising game in terms of the scoreline, but from my perspective, I thought it was more so the way Melbourne played that sort of invited the Cowboys in. I guess there were a lot of mistakes made and the completion rates were pretty low in the first half. Um, I guess they were just throwing the ball around and they weren't completing their sets. They're just trying to score in a lot of plays. So I guess in that aspect, you know, um, they turned the ball over and the Cowboys took advantage of, you know, what they what, what they were given. Um, and actually coming into the second half, I thought Bellamy would have, you know, given them a really good talk and got them over the line really easily. But surprisingly, um, I think Kyle Felt came out and scored the first try in the second half. And it took, you know, I, I always had faith in the Storm winning, but it just, it was just really surprising to see that it, it took that much to get them towards the end. Yeah, and I think you look at all the circumstances leading into the game, you know, they were about to go 14 straight wins, obviously a lot of pressure in that. You look at some of the key outs they had, there was no Munster. You had the two starting second rowers out in Kafusi and Bromwich. You know, George Jennings has played really well this season. Arame is coming in, young guy. So they, look, there's some op- there's some reasons to be, you know, why this game occurred. But like we all joked around in our group chat, as soon as we saw Jake Granville at fullback, we were like, okay, here's the <laughs> here's the Nico Hines, Pappenhauser, and Jerome Hughes getting 300s. But look, credit to the Cowboys and Todd Payton. Um, I've said it. If he get if he can get kind of recruit well the next two years, um, I'm not I'm not sure what's going to happen with the halves. But if they can get a good team up there in Townsville, he's a good coach and can get them somewhere. Yeah, I thought Drinkwater had actually a, a pretty pretty all right game, and also um, uh, Granville at the back. He did all right, you know, mm-hmm. considering he normally plays hooker and the fullback role. Con- you know, has a lot of running involved. Um, he usually doesn't play the full eighty minutes, and you know, he did pretty well considering the circumstances. So, you know, credit to him and credit to the Cowboys for the kind of performance they put in. Yeah, but like, yeah, um, we did expect that? like. What do you think you, about Pappenhausen? Like you said. Pappenhausen, um, yeah, I guess it's a good way for him to get back into the game. You know, um, they needed Nico Hines there. They didn't want to – it was a close goal line. You don't want to bring, I guess, Pappenhausen in and put that much pressure on him, you know, just from his first game back. You know, you don't want to get another concussion or anything. So I guess it was good. Um, Obviously, for me, I think – who do I have in the Melbourne Storm side that went off after – um, Nico Hines went into the uh, the hooker role or something like that. I think I think I was I think I had a Melbourne Storm player. Yeah, it was, oh, was Brandon Smith. Yeah, Smith Smith went off, and then Nico Hines took some of my minutes. But you know, it was all right. Um, I think I think next week Hines Hines will go maybe to the six. Oh mm-hmm. no, Munster's back, so Hines will go to the bench, and then Pappenhausen will start. I think for the yeah, game, think, yeah, against the. Yeah, I think they're gonna they're gonna switch it around. Though, you know, I think. Jerome Hughes will get a week off one week and Hines will play seven. If Brandon Smith needs a week, mm. Hines will play nine. They'll, 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 flip, they'll move it around everyone get a rest. Yeah, I do see Brandon Smith getting a rest coming up. I think he's played nearly every game in the whole season. So everyone's been on you know, origin duties and had rests and injuries and stuff. But I think Smith has been playing um, and leading the forward pack for quite a while. So I think he's going to be rested soon. Hopefully not in the finals. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's what we're all waiting for. Waiting for who, which team's going to start resting some players and causing some havoc. What? Let's go to the next game, Ryan. Yeah. This was the absolute 
whitewash of the weekend. And if you had Rabbitohs, you were cheering. It was Rabbit 60 defeating the Warriors 22 in a very entertaining high scoring game. But yeah, I can't, I don't think we can lead anywhere but the super coach perspective. Damian Cook 150, the cookie of all. You had Jaden Sewer, you know, not playing four weeks ago to getting 120. You had your guy Reynolds, who, you know, only played, I think it was about 60 minutes and was still able to crack out an 80. This was just full of points here. Mm. Yeah, you know, it was a it was a performance we expected. Um, the Warriors, um, no Roger Tilvatashek, no Tohu Harris, and they're sort of relying on a a young superstar in Reese Walsh. A lot of pressure on him, and you know, with the backline Latrell Mitchell back, even with Alex Johnston out, you know, that's easily replaceable. Cody Walker and um, Adam Reynolds, you know, they steered the ship and. You know, they got them to the 60 to 22 scoreline, but consistently with the Rabbitohs, they're still leaking in those 22 points, mm. even though they're blowing out teams. It's consistently, and it's not like it's it's like Warriors, you know, like if a Warriors can put on 22 points on you, think about what like, you know, Seagulls or the Storm can do to you. So, you know, that's the only thing I would take from this performance. Like they're good, but that, that leakage in points is a bit worrying, I guess. Yeah, there's no doubt they can score points. You know, they've proven that all season. But the two games of the versus Melbourne and versus the Panthers so far, they've conceded 50 each time. And to me, exactly. it's, it's just one of these things where this was a game where I would have preferred them to win 40 nil. You know what I mean? Or 40 to four. Mm. Like the 60, you know, once you hit a certain point, the attack's impressive. You know, we know Latrell, Cody Walker, Damian Cook. We know they're beasts. Like we, we get that. But, you know, that's tidying up that defense. Because some of those tries, you know, the first one for the Warriors was just a, a leak, but then you had a couple of ones where they stripped them very easily. Um, yeah, look, it, the, the Rabbits get the win. The Warriors, they've got a huge injury list at the moment. I think Fanua Blake's also got a compound fracture, so he might miss a couple of games now. Yeah. They're playing with the injured Tad Townsend. So to me, this is just a bit of nothing. You know, it was good from a Supercoach's perspective, but from the Rabbits moving forward, um, let's see them up against one of the top four teams before we start making some assumptions. Yeah, and also they had a few injuries, I think. Um, Adam Reynolds, a minor hamstring, you know, tweak. I don't think it was huge. Um, and then, uh, what do you call it, Cody Walker had a bit of an injury, but he wanted to stay on, so we'll see. I think they'll be resting them in the future sometime. I think they have a pretty decent draw as well. So, you know, it depends on what position they are on the ladder. They might rest them, you know, one of them, and, like, switch it around, like you said, with Melbourne. Yeah, and, like, I think we've seen, you know, the Cody Walker... Uh, out the back to Latrell, out the back to Alex Johnson. That's obviously the get the big play here, but we did see in this game a slightly different way to attack with Damien Cook going through the middle, hitting those middle forwards and hitting the edge back rowers. So interesting stuff to see what happens for the Rabbits. Finally for you, you know, Cookie hit that 150, I think. It's good to see. Great to see. And, you know, it's now making me really think because obviously no Wayne Bennett next year. Dimitri is going to take over for the coaching in the Rabbits. If this is the Damien... Mm. Like Damian Cook won't do this every game next year, but if, he, if there's a more attacking, open, free Damian Cook next year, all of a sudden I think we start picking some 2018 Damian Cook interest in Supercoach. Yeah, you know, we'll see. But, you know, with that spine and, oh, Adam Reynolds is gone, so I guess we'll just see how the new half comes in place. But it's all Cody Walker. It's all the trail. You know, you can put anyone in that wing spot and it's just going to it's just gonna flow. That's it. All right, let's get on to the next game, mate. It was Manly 44, defeating the West Tigers 24. And this one, it took a while for the Manly Seagulls to kick on. You know, I was expecting, uh, we did say in the group chat, I was expecting record here. I was expecting to beat Cleary's record in Supercoach, but 
you know, the Tigers held him pretty firm there. I think Magic McGuire would have been happy with that first half. But in the end, Manly just too strong. Yeah, you know, um, that first half was close. It was back and forth for a while. And then, you know, eventually they cracked. And then the, I think they scored a couple of tries in consecutive, um, like within like 10 minutes. So that just sort of blew it open. But um, for me, it, it wasn't like that typical Manly performance. Um, both the wingers didn't score tries. It mm-hmm. went through Morgan Harper. And then I guess we haven't seen like that full team of Josh Schuster back in that edge role for a while. So it sort of changed the dynamic of the attack. Um, I guess Schuster's that ball playing um, second role and he's, he's amazing. His skills are, you know, crazy and he's still a rookie. So um, I guess he's just going through the middle rather than going through the edge that Tommy Turbo can cut out through and make line breaks. So they've just got so much attacking weapons. So there's sort of, now that everyone's back on the park, you know, Daly Cherry Evans, Travojevic, um, Schuster, you know, I, I guess they have this, so many ways to go about their game. And I guess this game, it just went another way than what we're usually used to seeing. Yeah, that's a good point you make about Schuster because um, we did say in the group, in our, in our direct message to each other, we were saying about Schuster being a bit of a hog in this game. And, you know, I think when he's played early in the year, he had to be the, the second or third playmaker. But in this game, with everyone on the back on the field, He's now really like fifth in line in terms of ball playing because you got Cherry Evans, four and Turbo, even Jerbo's mm-hmm. ahead of him. So I think it's mm. fun for him to get used to, you know, that try they laid on for Cherry Evans, you know, off the left foot, straight through the middle. You know, that, yep. that's what we want to see from Chu. So I don't think he needs to overplay his hand. I think the ball comes out to him, mm. looks up and sees what, he, sees what he can do, either go over himself or take or take the uh, edge man out. Yeah, that's true. You know, undeniable talent, but I think he sort of needs to sort of control when and where because there are times that he can make that odd mistake. Mm. And, you know, like the, the play is supposed to be going out, but he goes back in kind of thing. So, you know, it, it's a good it's a good thing to have. You know, he's a great player. But, yeah, you know, a bit disappointing that Garrick only got me 80 on the super coach as a captain. So, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. like, we'll see, we'll, see, we'll see how I go with the updates. But, yeah, I think I'll blame myself for captaining Garrick, not Teddy, for this round if I lose. Uh, look, you know, it was going to be a big game from the Manly Seagulls, and we did see some guy got a 300 in this game. That was Daly Cherry Evans, his biggest score. Oh. Like Chris, you know, <laughs> we've been trying to, uh, you know, bring him down and, you know, get him out of the final. Oh, man. Sticking around. Brought him down so many times this week, and, you know, he brings up a 330 or something from Daly Cherry Evans. Far <laughs> Yeah, it's the way. It's always the way. Hope he loses. Hope he loses still. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to the next game, mate. It was the Panthers, 18 defeating the Broncos 12 in another weird game. You know, Jerome Luai and Dylan Edwards was both back for the Panthers here. So we expected the Panthers to kind of really come in and put a score on. But for the second time this year, the Broncos played the Panthers pretty tough. Yeah, man. What can I say? The first thing that comes to my mind is Payne Haas. What an absolute beast beast. he is. But also on the other side, Fisher Harris. What a beast. Um, I'm going to miss him for the next couple of weeks. I think he's going out of the bubble. Um, it's good to have Jerome Luai back, um, you know, a bit of attack, a bit more structure on the left, but you can clearly see that um, Cleary is missing and it's going to be great to have him back in the next few weeks. Um, they got away with the win um, towards the end, but it was actually quite close. Um, so, you know, credit to the Broncos, you know, for putting in a performance like that. Um, but, you know, Croft, 
you know, he's not he's not the one that's supposed to be in the seven. I don't know what they're doing. I think next year they have Adam Reynolds there, and then they're going to put Katoni Staggs in the six. So I guess we'll see. But it's better better than um, what the Broncos started off in the season. And um, I guess the Panthers, hopefully, with Nathan Cleary back, are going to click back into what they um, previously played like. Yeah, a couple of things in this game. So obviously, uh, the high tackle on Isaiah Yo. Um, you know, what warranting are us in there, but Isaiah Yo concussion history. Be interesting to see what he does in the next couple mm. of weeks. It's a nice decent rest because they got guys like a Scott a Scott Sorensen and Eisenhuth. Pengai Jr. might come straight into the 13 jersey. Yeah, that's massive. So it's all of a sudden now that was a bit of a luxury get for the Panthers. You know, Fisher Harris was gonna leave the bubble for a couple of weeks, but now if you can give Isaiah Yo a good three week rest here and just run Pengai for 50 minutes a game, you're absolutely cheering if you're a Panthers fan. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's like, I guess it's the perfect time. Um, luckily for me, I picked up Liam Marden off the the bench, so hopefully his minutes increase if Yo's going to be out. I think they should rest him, you know, just he's had a big workload in the past few weeks with Origin, and um, he's played a big role in the whole season, so it'd be a good rest just before the finals come in. Yeah. And I think the other the other thing the other point you made there was that the Brisbane halves, you know, Tyson Gamble tries his tries his heart out and you know wears his emotionally asleep, but he's you know he's probably not a first grader every week. Brody Croft, everyone knows my stance on Brody Croft. I do think in this game, if Adam Reynolds was playing in the halves, Brisbane might actually get this game, which is pretty exciting for them moving forward for next year. So I think Broncos need to keep building. You know, get rid of these blowout losses that they have if they play tough like this then they got some good building blocks for next year because Payne Haas, Adam Reynolds, Katoni Staggs, there's a nice little trio there. can get you a long way. Yeah, look, they, they're getting better and better, I guess, every week. They have that odd performance where they can play well. I think the last time they played, it was a close game as well, and um, they've been a pretty close to some other teams as well. And they, last week with the Tigers, I think they played quite well. You know, it was back and forth, and, but then at, towards the end of the second half, they couldn't close it, and I guess that's what happened in this game as well. You know that first half, they were they were in the competition, but then at the end of the game, they just they just fell apart, and the Panthers, you know, they took over. Yeah, and uh, Jerome Lewis, I did drop the biggest news so far that it looks like Nathan Cleary will play next week um, against the Storm. So all of a sudden now, the the game of the season is back on with Pappenhausen, potentially Grant and Cleary all making a return for this blockbuster. Oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Um, I don't know what to expect from that game, actually. You know, Cleary's first game, I don't know how they're going to approach it. Obviously, it's a um, a big matchup, you know, rematch, but it, it, it's not. It's, it's just a game at the end of the day. You know, they're fighting for the top first and second spot, but at the finals is what's matter. So uh, I don't know how, um, how they're going to go about this game with Cleary and, you know, see how he comes back into the game. Yeah, we, with home field advantage basically gone for the rest of the... Because, you know, with the coronavirus situation in Sydney, I don't mm. think the NRL is coming back. So I think it's going to be up in there in Brisbane. So home field advantage doesn't really mean anything this year. So, you know, I'm sure Panthers will want to get the win and try and get my, the minor premiership. But, you know, I don't think they're going to yeah. go, you know, risk Nathan Cleary too much if, you know, he's a... If he's yeah. All right, let's get on to the second last game here. First one on Sunday. This was probably the shock of the week to me. Uh, Gold Coast 32 defeat the Dragons 10. I actually tipped the Dragons. I thought, um, you know, the return of Matt Dufty would really spur this on. I thought the Titans, you know, have been playing 
Um, you know, okay, but, you know, Nergemal Fogarty, I thought it was going to be a huge loss. But in the end, the Titans roll. What did you see from this one, mate? Oh, I saw David Fafita. Mm. He's a colossal off the bench. Um, they started him off the bench, I guess, to have a bit more impact um, when he comes on. Um, and, you know, that's what he did. I think he scored He scored in the corner and then he nearly scored a set up another one or he set up uh, Marzu on the right. Uh, yeah, it's, I guess with the Titans, it's all about him. There's no other really attacking threat. Obviously, I'm, I'm a Dragon supporter, um, but uh, for me, in this game, I was versing three Dragons on the other end of the Supercoach. Yeah. So it, it was good and it was bad, you know, like my team was losing, but it was good, um, good to see that, that the three Dragons players weren't scoring that well. And also, you know, Sullivan's first game, I thought I thought he played all right. Um, it's hard to play in a team that's losing, obviously. But, you know, he had some good touches. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was a bit disappointing from the Dragons. Um, you know, you expected a bit more from them. But, you know, the Titans, it's one of those performances where they... They, they turn up to play and then, you know, with the Titans, they're on and off throughout the whole season. So it's still hard. I, I don't know what position they're on the ladder, but uh, can they still make the eight? Yeah, they're right. They're right outside the eight now. This puts them, I think, they need a, they're about one win outside the eight now. Um, yeah. So they're, they're right there. And, you know, I think you said it pretty well there. It's, um, you know, I was watching this game pretty closely too because I was versing Matt Dufty in our draft comp. So yeah. I was, he had a projection of 100. I was like, okay. He had a week off. You know, we start seeing those cutout balls that Dufty likes to do. All of a sudden, this could get pretty dangerous. But the Titans just were relentless. And I think the four was like such a good platform where the Bron- the the Dragons never got in a good attacking area. You know, that first try to Ben Hunt when DeBellin threw that short ball, that's probably the best. And the last time they got into a chance like that, the rest of it, the Gold Coast were just rolling. Every time they wanted to get the ball upfield, they could easily do it within the five tackles. It was just a complete game from the Titans, especially with no Fogarty. Ash Taylor didn't have a great game at all. This was actually very, very yeah. Well, I think. Um, well, obviously, I'm going to be a bit biased, but I think the injection of Tyrone Peachy actually was good. Mm. Um, you know, a bit of spark through the middle. Unfortunately, Mitch Rain went off, but once he went on, he he made he. Uh, I think got a line break assist immediately. Um, you know, a bit of a bit of you know the the way that Tyrone Peachy plays. You know, he he just watches the game and just plays whatever's in front of him. So. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not too sure why he was injected so late. I think it was about the 60-minute mark, but I don't know, maybe potentially if he gets injected earlier, you know, he, he could be something that um, could be really beneficial for the Titans, especially since they don't have, like, really strong attacking halves. And in saying that, um, who do you think makes the top eight now out of... Well, the Sharks are seven and the Dragons are eight. I think the Raiders, if they can get another couple of wins in the Titans make the seven and eight, and then the, the Sharks and Dragons drop off just because of Sean Johnson's injury. Yeah, uh, that, we'll obviously mention that in the last game here, but I do think the Raiders will make it. I actually think the Sharks and the Dragons both drop out. And I think yeah, uh, I think eight can... I don't know who gets eight. I think uh, Raiders will climb to seven. Eight's up in the air, you know. I had a look uh, who's got the best draws remaining, and it's actually surprising that the Tigers actually have a very, very nice draw. The Tigers could potentially mm. win out the rest of the season, so... They're there. The Titans are there. They can kind of muster a bit of an effort. The Dragons could hold on. You know, next week they've got all their COVID boys out. But then after that, you know, can they keep going? It's going to be a very interesting, you know, we normally get to the end of the season and the top eight's kind of set around this time. You know, it's kind of pretty clear. But this year we have to really make it. It's Yeah, it's super tight competition. I'm thinking like 
in terms of the dragons, do they continue with Sullivan or do they get Norman back in? Because, you know, obviously next season he's not back. And then same with um, Dufty, you know, do you put Sloan back in there? I thought Sloan is just as good as what Dufty played today. Is it oh. better off to put him there, get some experience? Look, I think you're fighting for the finals. There's still a chance for the finals, so I think you've got to play your best. And I think that is Norman and Dufty at this stage. You know, Sloan will be first grader. I think Sullivan will have some moments to win first grade. But right now, I think you just have to go, you know, Corey Norman, for as much heat that he does get, he does control the game pretty well. I don't think – I think some of the times he, he would have stood up and, you know, done a couple of things. So I think you've got to roll with your, your veterans. Yeah, fair enough. You know, it's very sad to hear that – Corey Norman's the best half we have in the club, <laughs> but I guess I guess you're right. <laughs> All right, let's get on to the last game, mate. It was the probably the most entertaining game of the round. It was the Sharks 44 defeating the Bulldogs 24 in a game that swung dramatically on the first try on Luke Thompson to get it to uh, 12-6. Off the kickoff, Dylan Arpa drops the ball. Off the next defensive set, uh, Luke Thompson, late shot on Blake Braley, goes to 10 in the bin and the um, three tries in for the Sharks, and that kind of ended the game there. What did you see from this one, mate? Look, I think we all expected the Sharks to win, so that's a given, but we didn't expect them to lose in this kind of sense. Um, Far out, I think the Bulldogs played quite well. You know, I I guess maybe it's towards the end of season, Mark, where they know they can't win, and they're just sort of throwing the ball around. It's similar to the Titans last year. Um, But while Luke Thompson... Um, you know, he had the uh, sin bin, but wow, he had a big game, you know. Usually, you know, like I know you've talked about in the previous podcast, you know, he's a he's a good, strong ball runner. He tackles well. But today, you know, that footwork really stood out for me. You know, he was stepping back inside and, you know, making line breaks. You know, that was really good to see. Um, and I was just thinking about next season, mm. uh, their recruitment with that back line. Um, and, you know, maybe Matt Burden, you know, stepping up, getting that extra bit of polish towards the back end of their sets. You know, they can they can be quite a good team next season. You know, they you know it's not looking as bad as what everyone thinks. No, but, yeah, um, the Sharks, yeah, the Sharks, they, you know, they got away with it. You know, too much class uh, until um, Johnson got injured, unfortunately. Yeah, I thought this game could have actually got to, a, to you know, a very, very ugly scoreline more than it did. But Johnson obviously pulls up with their hamstring injury and, Something interesting. He's had a couple of hammy injuries before. He's obviously had the Achilles last year, so you can't be too cautious with him right now because, again, you're battling for the eight. But, yeah, he's only yeah. out for at least a couple of weeks. I don't know the status of Matt Moylan. So all of a sudden now, yeah. Connor Tracy did fill in pretty well in the halves. He probably will come into the halves and Harati into the starting side. So they have got some options there. But, yeah, mm. losing a guy like Sean Johnson when you've already lost a Wade Graham, all of a sudden some good, genuine, uh, experienced attack uh, is lacking there now. Yeah, and I think that's what's going to sort of drop them out of the eight overall. You know, um, that experience of Johnson, big game player, I guess. And, you know, Matt Moylan isn't super reliable. And the next few weeks are so vital for them. Um, they need to win, I guess, as many games as they can to get in, to make consistently, like, to be in the eight. So, um, yeah, it's a huge loss for them. Um, and I don't, and I, I'm not sure, I guess we'll have to see in the next few weeks how they play without Johnson because, they need to be sort of careful of him as well because they don't want him to pull another hammy if they make it into the finals. Yeah, 100%. And very quickly, I'll get your take. Uh, another big signing for the Sharks today, Dale Finucan, uh signs on a four-year deal. So all of a sudden now, the recruitment for next year, Nico Hines, Cameron McInnes, Dale Finucan. What's your thoughts on the Sharks? You know, they've got a lot of 
ugly contacts coming off the books. No Aaron Woods, no Andrew Fafida. They got no Sean Johnson, no Josh Dugan. They've got four big contracts, and all of a sudden you bring in three quality starters. What are you, what's your thoughts for the Sharks next year? Oh, man, the Sharks, they're looking great next year. Um, even with Cameron McInnes coming as a hooker, you know, that'll be huge. Uh, you know, I think that Adele Finucane signing is massive. I don't know why he wasn't linked to more clubs than what was, you know, reported. You know, I think the, the Bulldogs should have given him whatever they had in their cap for him. You know, that that experience that he brings from that Melbourne system, I don't think he's one of those players that are going to sort of drop off once he leaves the Melbourne system. He, he's just a genuinely good player. We see a lot of players that leave Melbourne and they become, you know, they're just a shell of the player that they were at Melbourne. But with and I think he's actually genuinely a really good player. And just that experience that he's going to bring to whatever club he goes to, now it's the Sharks, would have been very, very valuable. So I don't know why. But, yeah, next season the Sharks are looking really good, you know, dropping a lot of that, I guess, dead weight. You know, Dugan's not even playing and Aaron Woods, you know, they're looking they're looking good uh, for next season. And I expect, I guess we expect a lot of big things from them. Yeah, you always like to see, you know, at the end of the season when you see the ins and the outs on the signing, you want your ins to be better than your outs. And I think this is a slam dunk. I think every single in that they've got is uh, a position to need and really going to uh, help them for next year. You know, I was having a, did a podcast with Nomis this morning about some, uh, 2020, 2022 Supercoach drafts, and we kind of were like, is Nick mm. Lyons a top, top round pick next year? You know, these, I think the Sharks team has a real chance to be really special next year. I, I think Nico Hines possibly, maybe like, look, I'm not too sure if Nick, Nico Hines is one of those players that are going to play well outside the Melbourne system. You know, he's a bit unproven yet still. He's still, he's still young, but I think in our draft, he might go like, like possibly like second or third round. Mm. I don't know how how much people want him, but I think he could go quite early. I think yourself, you might take him. <laughs> I might. I might I'm, I'm, the Sharks next year, like, you know, we'll do more podcasts in the offseason about next year's draft. But to me, you know, we, we talk about the load up on your Panthers, your Roosters, your Storms, you know, your good clubs. I think the Sharks will be mm. right there next year. I, I do think getting a couple of Sharkies will not be a bad idea. Yeah, there's quite a few... Um, big teams now. So there's going to be quite a few to pick from. Hopefully the injuries aren't that bad next year. But yeah, I, I think the Sharks would be a good team to pick. You know, they've got a lot of points in them. So especially with, um, I think it's Fitzgibbon coming in from the Roosters. So yeah, I think he would be a great coach for that team. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be good. It'll be interesting. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks for coming on, Ryan. Um, an interesting round. And obviously we've got a couple of huge matchups next week. So I'm sure we'll get your takes very soon on them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to next week's game. And thank you for having me on again. No worries, mate. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great day. Hear from you soon. Cheers.